I've been a fan of your book. I oh, so you can't see it that good and yeah, here, you but, got uh, it. Thank oh, you. Oh yes, oh yes. I knew right when it hit the market because right. I would always be looking for new content. And then when yours came, I was like, oh my gosh, this is a real person that wrote a book about payroll. I was like, yes. yes. So it's so exciting. And I was just telling Walt, you know, that the book is more than just implementing payroll. It's a roadmap to doing payroll properly. And it's consistent with Nick Day mentioned in there in your forward. So it was just exciting. It's just super exciting to read and super exciting to meet you. Thank you so much for being on the show. You're um, welcome. Yeah, absolutely. And we can get right into it. Tell us what, speaking of the book, what made you write it? Yeah. I had been writing articles about payroll and proper implementation and what not to do for a very long time. And early last year, I noticed that a lot of payroll projects or payroll go-lives that went wrong hit the news. And I had never seen anything like it, at least not from, at least not so many. Mm-hmm. And so I started looking into it And then I thought, okay, is it maybe a solution that is not quite right and therefore we run in all these mistakes? Or is it maybe a vendor or what is going on here? And actually what I discovered was that it was not one vendor. It was not one solution. It was not one country. It was everywhere. And when I reached out and started talking to some of these people, really what I discovered was that there was this disconnect between vendors and buyers. And it's easy to spot, right? Vendors do this every day. They sell payroll for a living. And then you as a buyer, you come to the market maybe every 10 years. years. You're lucky. If that, yep. Right? Because Mm. you you have a contract for five years. You want to extend it. And so every 10 years you come to market, which means that there are not a lot of people on the buyer side who have experience in selecting a new payroll. And the disconnect really was about, they are not talking the same language. And so when a vendor, for instance, talks about a managed payroll service and the buyer currently has a managed payroll service, that immediately is put in their head as, okay, that's the same service as I had before. But obviously, solutions have expanded, services have changed. And so what you bought 10 years ago is not what you buy today. We look differently at data. So everything has changed. And therefore, if you do not, from the start, really dissect everything that's going on and have these concepts very clear in your mind, but also understand very well what's going on, on your side of the payroll process and what you potentially want to outsource and what you want to do yourself, if you don't have a clear idea in your head or actually on paper Mm -hmm. or in a PowerPoint, then this goes wrong. And I think that is the main explanation behind all these newspaper articles. And that's a really long answer to your question why did I write a book? That's why. Because no, I that's thought, the right answer. Yep. Yeah, I thought if I can explain this step by step, then at least the buyer has a little bit of an advantage when they start to talk to the vendor, but yes. they know what to ask for. Yep. 
Yes. Yep, you definitely give someone enough to be dangerous and to say the right things, to say the right words to the vendors. Cause you're right. It's, they do it every single day. We, yeah. if we're lucky, we get to do it more than once. You know, yeah. some folks have been in jobs to your point for a long time and they don't do it often. Absolutely. Nowadays folks move around in the last 15 years, 10 years, folks started to move around a little bit more. I've had the opportunity to implement more than one payroll system in my mm -hmm. 20 plus years and it's it's something you just don't get to do a lot so you're right it, and this yeah. gives every everything right it's an amazing roadmap to to use to purchase and yeah i'm just so excited about it a great resource yep yep thank absolutely. you yes yeah. absolutely do you is there another book in the future there is probably another book in the future. Actually, I'm trying to think through it because conference season is close to ending. Yep. I have one more keynote next week and then I'm done for the summer. And so that gives me a little bit of free time to think through the next book. I already have an idea. Actually, I have two ideas. Oh, now I need to decide which one comes first. Okay. So, okay. Back in Good luck. Probably August or September, and then uh, I'll know more. All right. That's what we're looking forward to that. Yep, exactly. Yeah, super excited about that. So, exactly. I, I know you shared this on the questionnaire that we sent out to you. But could you tell a little bit more of what your payroll origin story is? Yeah, I got into payroll by accident, really. I worked... that's, that's, yep. Common <laughs> yeah. story, very common story. Yes. So I worked for an IT company and I did a lot with user directories. And then I was approached by this HR and payroll consulting firm. And they were starting to advise companies on employee and manager self-service and therefore needed to understand how these directory services worked. I think I probably worked on that for two months. And then the internet crisis hit back in 2001. And then everyone was going back to, okay, how can we run HR as effectively and efficiently as possible? The whole shared services concept mm -hmm. came about and pretty quickly I had to pivot and start started to advise companies around, okay, if you do shared services, if you do payroll and shared services, what does that mean? How can you measure it? From there it exploded and the company also started an outsourcing branch. And so ultimately it was about, I would say 75% payroll outsourcing and 25% consulting. And slowly but surely I moved over to the multi-country payroll side. Many of our stories are by accident, getting into payroll by accident. And it's like you said in the book, not a lot of people are studying to become payroll right. folks, yes. right? Now, and I don't want to skip anything, but it's a kind of great segue. Do you feel like people, there is still a future for payroll? Do you feel like young folks could still get in and have a whole career in payroll, even though 
AI is now just getting to the game, get impacting and what that will do? Yeah. So the one thing that you both know about payroll, it has to be 100% accurate and it has to be 100% on time. Yep. Those are the only two things that matter. The problem currently with AI is that while it might be on time, it isn't 100% accurate. And we're nowhere near the stage where you can give a payslip to a GPT and ask it what is wrong with this payslip. Mm -hmm. Also, because there's usually a lot of personal circumstances that go into answering the question why this specific payslip for this specific employee is wrong. And why it's not wrong for the person that's sitting next to that employee. And so I think that for the foreseeable future, we will see artificial intelligence in, I would say, the tier one, where you can ask, okay, when is my payslip due? Or when is my payment due? Questions like that. Very broad, generic questions. But better Google type of thing. Exactly. And, or I need to fill out a form. Can you give it to me? And then it presents the right form instead of you searching for the the form. And I think slowly but surely we will train these GPTs and they will get smarter and understand it. But for the next five to 10 years, I don't see it. Also, because there's a liability in Mm -hmm. giving the wrong answer. That one's big. And I don't know if companies are willing to take that risk yet. I could see if you have a small company, you have 50 employees, they're probably on the same contract. And so answering questions is a lot easier than when you have a 50,000 employee company where you've had mergers and acquisitions and exceptions and legacy rules and someone needs to interpret all of that and then come to the right answer. Very difficult to do, but who knows? Maybe I'm completely wrong. And within two years, we have all been replaced. <laughs> no, I don't think no. so. But I th- No, I don't think so either. And we talk about AI a lot and, it, and it's mm-hmm. going to continue to be a conversation. And I, I think really that there will be a huge time where folks will still need the human liaison to be in between Mm -hmm. even if it's doing it automatically they'll still will still go through this long period of adjustment where i still need anita in the middle i still need walter to help me because i'm not just going to interact with this machine for my pay and so to your point i think it's going to be a while to before we get replaced (laughs) so (laughs) And so a great question there. And, and how, so how have you seen the global landscape change in the last few years um, as, as it relates to payroll? I would say the global landscape, especially if you look at multi-country payroll, it has changed fundamentally. Because if you would have asked me this question 10 years ago, I would tell you, well, I know two providers who can help companies with global payroll. I worked for one and there was <laughs> one more and that's it. Yep, you're right. And 
over time, what we've seen is that most of these global payroll projects have disappeared. And more companies started to understand that these global projects were maybe too big a scope to do confidently. Mm-hmm. And they dialed it back to regional projects. Mm-hmm. And that meant that suddenly you had a whole host of other companies that were able to bid for these projects because now the regional providers qualified for these RFPs as well. And I think it was also a little bit of risk management that you don't just have the one provider for your global payroll, but you have global payroll, but you're using three providers. Every region has a different provider and so you spread the risk a little bit and then you have this data warehouse where you pull it all together so the original reason to have one global payroll vendor namely that you want to have insight in your data because of cloud and because of analytics is not so pertinent anymore you can tie that together and then of course then the pandemic hit and suddenly you had this host of, I would say, young companies entering the space that were offering solutions for the somewhat smaller companies that work internationally and that also can deliver EOR and contractor payments. Mm. So there's from all sides, there are new entrants. And even this morning, I was talking to two lovely ladies who are in the midst of developing a payroll engine. Oh, wow. I had, yeah, I have not seen that for a long time that young companies are developing their own payroll, but suddenly this year, I know of at least, I think five to 10. Oh my gosh. Yeah. And not all of them are in production yet. So a lot of, so there are still developments of course in stealth. But that is really promising that finally, after all these years, a number of new engines are coming to market or will come to market within the next year or so. That's amazing. It is amazing. It's crazy because we're developing a solution. And when it's ready, I hope that you may give us your opinion because we can. Oh, awesome. I'd love to. Awesome. Thank you. And Walter, Walter always in this journey, he would always say, oh, well, we're going to do payroll. We're going to do payroll. And I'm like, no, there's so many. That's such a big undertaking. Like, mm-hmm. I, I didn't even cons- So to know that there are folks endeavoring that is amazing. That gives me yes. some hope. Not that I want to compete in that space. I think it's kind of full, but it's exciting to see. Maybe I'm wrong, right? Maybe I'm wrong. And maybe there is room for some new thought about how it should be approached. Because we do get tired of the mainframe setup and the we just have a pretty overlay on a very archaic m- machine yes. and, and it just needs to be updated. There needs to be something new that brings very fun, like simple solutions. If we could think it, this should be able to do it. So we need to get close that gap. And yeah. that's super exciting. If there are any you can share, please, we'd love to look into them as well. And that brings me to one of my side questions. On your HR tech radar site, how do you choose your companies that you share there? Yeah. So when I was at my last company, I was responsible for strategy and partnerships. And that meant that 
because that was in my LinkedIn bio. All the time <laughs> I would be approached by young companies who are really keen to partner with us. We offered services to enterprise and they are typically not very keen on trying and testing these new solutions, but I became very interested in mm -hmm. what I saw. And so when I left the company and started out on my own, one of the things that happened because of the pandemic, some of these companies started to reach out to me and said, there are no events there are no conferences. We cannot get in touch with CHROs. What do we do now? How do we tell the world our story? And so I came up with this idea of using my network to offer them a platform or a window and help them get some attention. And that is when I set up the site. And my criteria for these companies to be listed was really they needed to be founded after 2016, simply because 2016 was really the second wave of cloud technologies. And I wanted them to be built on a modern stack. And then the other criteria was that they needed to have at least two or three paying customers just because I didn't want to run a list of everyone with a great idea yeah. that has not presented that yet right. to a client and has right. not tested that in the wild yet. So those were more or less the criteria. And awesome. it was really nice to work with these companies and bridge the gap during the pandemic, but also now after, now that everything is mostly back to normal. And a lot of the HR organizations are running startup events and competitions again. The need for the site has somewhat diminished. I'm still keeping it up, but I'm not keeping it as current probably as I would two years ago. Oh, okay. Do you keep your personal brand site current? Is that the one that you put the focus on? Yeah. So I have HR Tech Radar, which showcases these new or young companies. And then I have my, I would say my speaker brand, which is anitaletting.com yep. simply because people see my name when I'm speaking. And so that they automatically find me through that Absolutely. site. Yes. Awesome. Yeah. Well, awesome. that's great. That's great. So now what you, so you made that jump to work, go on work on your own. What, it, what was the catalyst for that? What made you say, well, I'm going to go off and do this for myself. It must've been scary. No, actually it wasn't. Ooh. It was, yeah, it was exciting. I had worked for other companies all of my career. Yep. And then when the company that I worked for got acquired by another company, that was not the first acquisition. We had done some mergers and acquisitions and I had been with the company for 19 years. And I thought it was a good moment to go and see if I could make it on my own. I did not know that we would see a pandemic. So I, so my last day of work was February and I was supposed to go on sabbatical and travel. And then on May, March 15, all the borders closed. So oh here I was gosh. in my attic with nothing to do. 
But fortunately, I had, like I mentioned, a couple of companies approached me because they had seen that I had left the company and that I was available. And things started to move from there. And I picked up a couple of speaking engagements, well, virtual engagements, obviously. And that sort of snowballed into physical, huh? in-person speaking engagements when the pandemic wow. was over. So I think that because I have been in this space so long, people know me, I have yeah. a large network. Then last year I wrote the book and that opened up a whole new avenue of all Absolutely. kinds of cable events. Yep. When you go out on your own, you really have to make sure, I think, that you stand for something and that people identify you with that something, whatever it is, and that they consider you an expert and that they reach out and are willing to pay for your services. Yeah, that's, that's, a big, that's a big nugget because yep. I think that's important for people to realize that they are thinking about pursuing the avenue of launching into their own brand. Mm -hmm that's an important nugget that you just spoke to there that they make sure yeah. that they identify what they stand for and that they are, they have expertise in that. So I think that's a huge nugget right there. You just dropped. Yeah, it is. It is. And a lot of us who have that spirit, we always trying, I've been trying to do something for years. And then finally it was like, well, I've been doing payroll for 20 years, mm -hmm. but maybe we should leverage that. <laughs> so, yeah. To be honest with you, I when I left the company, I didn't think that payroll would be my continued career. Actually, I thought, well, I've done payroll for 20 years and now I'm going to focus on future work and I'm going to speak about future work. And I did. But actually, I was sitting on all this knowledge that I was not using. Thank you. And yep. thank in you. Exactly. And in <laughs> hindsight, that was a little bit of a mistake because people knew me. Mm -hmm. I was well known for payroll. I was yep. not so well known for the future work. By now I have combined these two and people understand what I do. And they actually like that I bring this forward looking approach also to yep. payroll. So a little bit to the future of payroll and where are we headed and what do you see? But I think that when you go out on your own, it's best to capitalize on what people know you for and then slowly pivot to what you really want to do. At least yeah. if you want to earn money in the, yes. in, in, the, <laughs> exactly. in the meantime, right? Exactly. So, um, yes. If you're independently wealthy, okay, do your yeah, thing. Do your thing, yep. So I want to earn some money to, uh, to pay for stuff. Yeah, then it's better to use the network that you have and the knowledge that you acquired and slowly pivot into a new direction. Thanks That's for awesome. that. That is awesome. And now before I forget the book that because again, how I, it impacted me the same way it impacted Nick day. Did you have that intention? Did you, were you thinking, Oh, this is going to be more than just the implementation kind of a store. No, Wow. No, wow. No. No. Wow. Was, That's amazing. Was, the book was really just a brain dump. Yep. I was thinking <laughs> about everything that I had experienced selling global payroll or multi-country payroll from the other side, from the vendor side. Right. So what did we run into when we were selling? 
what had we wished that the customer would have brought to the table? What did we see mm. that didn't go so well? Or when we presented something, where did we see really, where were we looking at blank faces? Because we had lost the clients talking about something that they did not understand. Yep. And also as a seller, what did we wish that a customer would give to us because ultimately you're in this together. It's a long relationship. It's five years, it's 10 years. And you could say, well, it's a vendor buyer relationships, but ultimately it's more of a partner relationship. Partner you have to yep. trust the other partner yep. to deliver so that you can actually pay people correctly and on time. Yep. And that yep. needs a little bit more than just okay, I, I buy something from you and now you need to give it. Yep. It's not a product, right? Yeah, and it's, yeah it's a relationship. And it's, it's a relationship. Have dynamic and dynamic. Yeah. And it's like you said, you need to factor in, are you going to grow? And are they, will they still be the right partner yep. in your growth model? Yeah. If you divest, if people don't think about that, wait, if my company gets smaller, how yeah. does that happen, right? And will they be the right partner then? And what will they do for us as a courtesy if that happens? You organize it amazingly and it gives everyone as a buyer the what they need to be armed because this is this is everything that we in the industry get frustrated with and it's here. Oh gosh, my favorite quote, payroll starts the moment employee data is entered or changed in the HR solution, yeah. right? Yes. Sometimes, our partners in HR don't realize that it's, oh, well, payroll and it's like, wait a minute now. It just articulates it so elegantly yes. and I, I, we have to see it as one thing. And I think you even say, look, if you're going to get a new HCM, get that payroll engine too, because why bifurcate it? Yeah. Why break it? You're creating a problem where you should not have one. Yes. Thank you so much for this. Yes. And then I wanted to ask your permission is I really want to go into depth on the show. Do you mind if we do a show on this? Not at all. Okay. Thank you very much. Yeah. That's because I do want to share it with folks. And I think people, if you're seeing the title, how to buy your next payroll, so like your next payroll, you they might discount the fact that this teaches you how to do payroll well. So, you know, um, that I, 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 I need to share that. give it a new that. title. You have to select your next payroll and do payroll well. You could. You absolutely could. Yeah. You absolutely could. When you were implementing payroll, what were your yeah. biggest challenges? Probably helping clients to get the data right. <laughs> Especially yeah. when you move from one payroll system to another. Yep. Yep. The client has this system and they've been using it for what, 10 years? Yes. And then you start asking, okay, give me all the data of your employees. And you know that they have, for instance, 500 employees. And then suddenly they give you this dump, this data dump of 750. And now you're <laughs> looking at it. I'm like, yeah, that's 250 too many. And we've been in a situation where there were actually 750 employees that they were paying. They just didn't realize it. But we've also been in a situation where it was 500 employees and then 250 were 
or the others were there because they were never properly exited in the mm -hmm. system. Yep. So they were not archived, but in in the engine, they still ran all kinds of strange things. I think getting the data right for your next payroll engine is one of the hardest things to do. Yep. If you get it right, you have the opportunity to have a more or less flawless go live. That's right. And that is important. Yes. Yep. That's yes. right. That's right. Amazing. Amazing. Walt, what else you got? Anything for Anita? No, I've, I'm honored that she made the time yes. for us yes. and that she came in and explained and shared her knowledge with us. And hopefully this won't be the last time that we have her on, but we're huge fans of yours, Anita. Thank you for all you're doing in the payroll industry. We've learned so much from you, right? And I just to let you know, Brian talks about your book all the time. He does. Yes. Oh, thank you. Yes. Yeah, exactly. And I guess wait, what's next for Anita? You said maybe two books coming in the future. What else? Well, let's keep it at one. So I have two topics <laughs> to, to choose from. Okay. And I'm going to write Definitely one. one book. <laughs> okay. Yeah, one, one book. For now, so, for now. For now. So let's keep it at one. Okay. And then in September, conference season starts back up. And so there will be a number of speaking engagements lined Is, up. All of those them in on, Europe, by the way. Are you So one, are you going to do any future about coming to the U.S.? And two, are your engagements listed on your site? So... I might come to the U.S., but it's not been confirmed yet. Okay. And yes, I always list future public keynotes. Okay. On the side, because I also do a lot of in-company speaking. I'm and sure. Obviously, yeah, private. Others are not invited. Right. But the ones that you can visit, I always list on the site but i awesome. which reminds me that i have to start listing the ones for september and october see and yes. please if, Good if point. you come to the u.s if you come to the u.s we are going to be there please let us know list will. it we will follow and we will and we also want to go to the your side do you go to that on unleashed every year i go to unleash yes okay it's okay. the one european or it's actually it's like it's more of a global conference a lot of people fly in from all over the world so that is why it's always interesting and they also pay a lot of attention to young startup wow. companies they have a startup competition i was oh wow a judge on this startup competition last year and helped narrow down the list of contenders awesome. for the in-person event so that is it's That's it's amazing. a really nice event and i enjoy going there i have been going there every year since i don't know when we're excited again it's been such an honor to have you on thank yes. you so much if there's anything we could ever do for you please don't hesitate to reach out we wish you the best and can't wait to meet you same here. Thank you, Brian and Wilt. All right. We'll let you go. We'll give you back some time today. And thank you okay. so much again, Nita. It's a, sure. truly an honor. Thank you. All right. Thank you. All right. Bye-bye.